0: This podcast on medical lessons is brought to you by SolidarMed in partnership with Lestenstein Development Agency. Welcome to ZMed Podcast, where we bring to you interesting discussions of emergency medical and surgical conditions. I'm your host, Mary Cuella from SolidarMed the Swiss Organization for Health in Africa. And today we're back to discuss DKA, which is diabetic ketoacidosis. And I'm joined
1: by Constance. Kindly introduce yourself. Constance Nkandu is my name from Chilenje First Level Hospital. I'm a medical licentiate in practice for nine years.
0: Thank you so much for coming through, Constance. Today we are discussing DKA, which is an emergency medical condition which requires agent management and treatment. Before we go into that discussion, briefly describe for us what diabetes
1: is. Well, diabetes mellitus is a common metabolic disorder which is encountered in the clinical practice on a daily basis. So diabetes mellitus is derived from a Greek word which is broken down into two. There's diabetes which means a passer through a siphon. Then there's mellitus which means sweet. So diabetes is classified into two. There's type 1, which is insulin-dependent. For type 1, there's absolute lack of insulin. Then there's type 2, which is non-insulin-dependent. In this kind of diabetes, there's relative lack of insulin.
0: Thank you so much, Constance. So getting back to our discussion today, what is DKA? What
1: is diabetic
0: ketoacidosis?
1: So diabetic ketoacidosis is a serious complication that arises from diabetes mellitus. And it is where the body produces excess acid called ketones in the blood. So this condition occurs when there isn't enough insulin in the body and it can be triggered by a lot of factors. What kind of factors are we talking about? So there are a lot of factors that can cause diabetes mellitus. The first ones are a patient not taking insulin at all or patient taking insulin but not in the correct dosages. There's also pregnancy. Then we have infections such as pneumonia and other chest infections. Then infections like urinary tract infections. Infections like fungal infections. There's also heart diseases like cardiovascular accident, a myocardial infarction, a pulmonary embolism, all those who precipitate you to having a diabetes ketoacidosis. Then there's also Medicines such as steroids and and psychotics. Then there are recreational drugs such as cocaine. Then conditions like pancreatitis, surgery, hypothyroidism. All these will precipitate someone into having a DKA. Sometimes you have a blood clot to the lungs. That is called pulmonary embolism. It also precipitates you to having DKA. Then significant illness or significant trauma. All these will predispose a patient into going into diabetic ketoacidosis.
0: All right. Uh, Constance, you mentioned you say you are practicing at a Level 1 hospital. How common is DKA?
1: DKA is encountered on a daily basis. At least every day we have a minimum of three patients.
0: Minimum of three?
1: Minimum of three patients on a daily basis. That
0: must be a common case.
1: It is very common. What's the mechanism behind of someone
0: having DKA?
1: So in the body, glucose is the main source of fuel for the body. Diabetes makes it very hard for the body to use glucose. The body starts to break down fat as an alternative source to use energy. So when this is done, there are ketones that are released. These ketones are released in the bloodstream, making the blood to become acidic. When the blood becomes acidic, then one presents with diabetic ketoacidosis as a complication from the diabetes. In
0: simpler terms, we can put it to say it's all about the accumulation of ketones in blood.
1: Yes, that is where the diabetic ketoacidosis comes from.
0: All right. So, Constance, can you tell us the real-life situation, how you manage such kind of conditions
1: at your health facility? Okay. Okay. So I'll give you an example of a patient that came. This was a 17-year-old boy, grade 12 school-going child, who presented with wasting, just wasting and general body weakness. So they had tried, they were coming from a local center where they had tried, they were thinking it was malaria, they gave multivitamin, out vitamin, but the patient wasn't improving. Eventually, they ended up being referred to a face-level hospital So when they came, just looking at the patient, somebody would think, okay, this one is an HIV patient because there was that wasting. That is also common in HIV. Mm -hmm. So we did all the investigations. Fortunately, HIV came out negative. Then people were stuck. The clinicians were stuck. They didn't know. Including you, you were stuck. No, I wasn't stuck (laughs) because I've experienced a lot of DKA patients. Mm -hmm. Then I said, okay, let's do a sugar for a start. We did the fasting blood sugar because the patient was not able to eat. And unfortunately, it came out to be 28. Then when we did the urinalysis, the patient had ketones 3+. So this was a patient who was presenting for the first time in TKA. There was no history of diabetes in the family, but he presented for the first time. So being a patient who was 17 years old, definitely that was a type 1 diabetes kind of a patient.
0: Why do you say it's type 1? Why can't we classify it in type 2?
1: So type 1 is common among the the young, Mm -hmm. patients below 35 years of age. Those are the patients that have type 1 kind of diabetes.
0: What other signs and symptoms are
1: suggestive of uh, DKA? So there are general signs where the patient will appear ill-looking. Others would come with altered consciousness. Others will be semi-conscious. Others will present into a deep coma. Then there are signs of dehydration. So on the skin, the skin will be very dry. Then they will have um, poor skin tiger. They have dry mucous membranes. The eyes will be sunken if they are severely dehydrated. Then you have the specific signs, which is the ketotic breath. This is a strong fruity odor. When you move closer to the patient, you'll be able to pick that smell. Then there's also acidotic breath, also known as Kussmaul's breathing. These are deep, shallow breathing. These are also classical to DKA. Then most patients also will present with an abdominal pain, which can be confused with acute abdomen.
0: Why is there pain, abdominal pain?
1: There is pain because of accumulation of ketones in the abdominal wall muscles. Okay. So that will give them a severe pain. And if you don't look out for DKA, you might start treating it as a, an acute abdomen based on other causes.
0: All right. So what other investigation can a clinician do or order
1: in trying to manage DKA? So there are investigations that are specific to diabetes. The first thing you do is a blood glucose. Depending whether the patient has eaten or not, you can do a random blood sugar. The normal for random blood sugar is 11.1. If it is above that, then you, it is hyperglycemia. Then for fasting blood sugar, it is a range between 3.5 and 7.5. If it is above, it is hyperglycemia. Then you can do blood glucose also. This is glycated hemoglobin called HbA1c. This one will give a blood picture how the sugars have been behaving over the past one month. Then apart from that, you can do arterial blood gases. This will give you an idea of how acidic the blood is. Then there are also supportive investigations. Because from the precipitating factors, you can have infections that is leading to that. So you can do a full blood count. You can do urea, electrolytes, and creatinine. You look at the kidney function. Then you can also do troponin, which is a cardiac enzyme, because you are looking at a patient who could have myocardial infarction or pulmonary embolism. Then you can also do blood culture. You can do an ECG. You can do a chest x-ray. Just to look at all the possible causes of infection.
0: What kind of treatment do you put them on?
1: You start with the A, B, C. The first thing is the airway because some patients will present in a mild form of DKA. When you talk to them, they'll be able to respond. Then you know their airway is okay. You can assess the breathing, count the respirations. Then you, from circulation, you need to check the blood pressure. You need to check the pulse. Then you need to do a physical exam. The physical exam, you elicit, are they dehydrated? How is their chest? Do they have a pneumonia? IV axis. The patient needs to have two large bore cannula from the circulation. So you put the large bore cannula in both arms. Then as we are doing that, the patient also has to be catheterized. So principles of management of DKA are four steps. The first step is fluid replacement. Then followed by insulin therapy, then potassium replacement. Then the fourth is where you have to find out, you look out what has caused the patient to go into DKA. For fluid therapy, the fluid of choice is normal saline. So the first liter of normal saline is given in 30 minutes, the second liter is given in the next one hour, the third liter you give it the next two hours, the fourth liter you give it in the next four hours. The idea is to give 6 liters of normal saline in 24 hours. So, as you are doing that, you are also reassessing. The aim of treatment for fluid therapy is to correct volume deficit.
0: Do you always give fluids uh, in every patient who comes in with DKA?
1: Yes. Okay. We always do fluid therapy because it is, uh, remember, the patient is dehydrated. You have to replace what was lost. Okay. So management depends, others are severely dehydrated, others are mildly dehydrated. So as you are giving fluids, you'll be able to use your clinical judgment to see who needs more fluids. But the idea is to give 6 liters in 24 hours. So when you're done with the fluid therapy, the next is the insulin. So insulin, we give it 0.1 per kg, that is ultra pit per hour. So you calculate the weight of the patient to multiply by 6. That's how much you give. So the reason why we are giving insulin is to reduce blood sugar glucose between 3 to 6 millimoles per hour. When that is done, you need now to go to potassium. So potassium replacement is also very key. In the first liter, you don't add any potassium. Then you add to the next liter. So if potassium is less than 3, you don't add anything. When potassium is less than 3.5, you give 40 millimoles of potassium to the second liter. Then if it is between 3.5 to 5, you give 20 millimoles of potassium. Then if it is above 5.5, you don't give anything. The idea of replacing potassium is to prevent complications of uh, potassium depletion. In other words, you are trying to correct the hypokalemia. Then the last point, you need to identify the underlying cause. So underlying cause, that's where now you need to do those investigations, the supportive investigations that we talked about. If there's infection, you cover them with antibiotics. If it is a stroke, you manage the stroke accordingly. If it is a pulmonary embolism, you know the patient needs ICU care the patient has to be catheterized then the NG tube you have to insert it to keep the stomach empty you need ECG monitoring in severe cases but as you are managing such patients you need to involve the senior in the team early
0: so basically you're trying to say the management of dk
1: is a team approach it's a team approach
0: okay would like to know from the scenario from the real life story that you narrated to us what
1: What are the learning outcomes? Diabetes, sometimes you can miss it because presentation will mimic a lot of conditions. Like the patient that we had, most of the clinicians thought, okay, this is HIV because the patient presented with wasting. So you need to think outside the box. A simple blood sugar test will give you, will answer most of the things. So blood sugar test, it should be a bedside investigation that every clinician should be able to do. So
0: Constance, from the same story, because I'll keep on referring to it because it's
1: a real-life situation, how was the prognosis? The prognosis of that patient was very good. He responded very well to treatment because we, we ran through the four key elements of managing DKA. We rehydrated the patient because he was severely dehydrated. We corrected the hyperglycemia with insulin. Then we looked for infections. He was coming from a, a place near Lusaka, but a bit far away. And that place is malaria infested. He had malaria as well. Okay. So we treated for the malaria. <clears throat> then we treated the hyperglycemia with insulin. And we rehydrated him. Then apart from that, we needed to guide on diet. Because DKA or diabetes in general, treatment mainly borders on diet. So diet counseling is very key. Because you may be able to do all this, you give the insulin, you give whatever you manage correctly, but they'll be eating wrong foods. So DKA STEAM approach. You need to bring in the nutritionist or the dietitian to also manage the diet part of it. He did very well and he was discharged on insulin.
0: For instance, there's someone coming in with DKA, a non diabetic patient, and and a newly diagnosed
1: patient. Is the treatment the same? The treatment is not the same. When they come in DKA, basically the treatment is the same. You need to give them insulin. You calculate 0.1 per kg per hour, you give them for 6 hours. You need to replace the fluid, you need to replace the potassium, and treat the infections. When they are out of DKA, if it's a newly diagnosed patient, you need now to calculate for them how much insulin took them out of DKA. Then you calculate how much dosages of insulin that patient needs per day. But if it is a non-diabetic patient, they need to go back to their usual insulin dosages. So transitioning is you stop the IV-1. You don't have to stop the IV-1 immediately. You give them subcut insulin. Then after 30 minutes, that's when you can discontinue now the insulin infusion. If they were on tablets, you put them back to their old regime. What are the dangers
0: of not treating DKA? Diabetic ketoacidosis.
1: Mm, diabetic ketoacidosis as a, if not treated, as hundred percent mortality. So you can have water in your brain as a complication. That is cerebral edema. You can have water in your lungs, pulmonary edema. The commonest is kidney injury. This can be due to the vomiting due to the dehydration, then you can also have coma and eventually death. That's how serious DKA is. So, diabetes ketoacidosis is something that should be taken care of nicely by clinicians. When you have a diabetic patient, patient education is very important. You educate the patient herself, you educate the relatives on how the disease comes about, how it can be managed, both medically and through diet and also the patient and relatives and caretakers should be able to recognize complications. There was a patient who was a non-diabetic, non-hypertensive, on medication. So the patient started having ill health. Unfortunately, they were not checking their sugar because we advise our patients at least to have a glucometer at home and teach them how to check Just the way we teach them how to inject themselves insulin. So this patient never had any of those. So there was a time she started feeling feverish. They said, okay, any fever is equivalent to malaria. She treated herself with coatem. She got a bit better, but not very fully. Then the next time, over a few days, she started becoming weaker and weaker. The next thing, she presented like a psychotic patient. So the relatives said, okay, this one now... Is he a psychiatric patient? Let's take her to the traditional healers. Wow. So there, the traditional healers. They kept her for some days, and they charged them huge amounts of money, and they were paying.
0: Did she find time to, to to visit a doctor or any
1: health care provider? No, at the time the patient. The family did not. members thought this is just psychosis. Psychosis and psychosis in the village that is deep in the rural psychosis is equivalent always to a traditional doctor. Those are the ones that they believe in can heal a psychiatric patient mm. or a psychotic patient. So they took her there. So not until they informed the brother who was in town, the brother forcefully advised them to take the patient to to the hospital. So when they got to the hospital, unfortunately, the patient was semi-conscious. The sugar was just rising high. It was very high. The BP also was very high. The temperature was 40. So meaning apart from the malaria and whatever the patient was presenting with, there was infection that was making the DKA waste. Unfortunately, they, we lost this patient because they presented late. Patient presenting with coma or acute kidney injury on admission, those are poor prognostic factors. Even in a good setting, usually the mortality rate is very high. So what's the message
0: to our listeners out there, the students, the the interns, as well as your
1: your colleagues? So diabetes, ketoacidosis is a very serious complication. It is a medical emergency and it has to be treated swiftly. Make sure you know how to identify it and make sure you know the steps of management of DKA. The fluid management, the insulin therapy, the potassium replacement and to look out for infections. DKA management needs a multidisciplinary team approach. There should be a physician, there should be a nutritionist, there should be nurses. Everyone, every clinician should come together to manage DKA. All
0: right. Thank you so much, Constance, for coming through and for your inputs. We've finally come to the end of our program today. Hope you find this podcast helpful. Remember, this podcast has been made possible with the help from Solidamed in partnership with Lichtenstein Development Agency.
1: This podcast
0: on medical lessons is brought to you by Solidamed in partnership with Liechtenstein Development
1: Agency.